This store is on the site of the first Japanese-owned business, I believe, in Los Angeles. This is Irene Tsukara Simonian, the owner of a gift shop, Bunkaro, in Little Tokyo in downtown Los Angeles. She's the third generation in her family to run the store, which started in 1946 after World War II. The store is located at 340 East 1st Street, where the first Japanese business in Los Angeles, Kame Restaurant, opened in the late 1800s. When my mother and I found out about it for the first time, she was delighted because, of course, in Japanese, Kame uh, is a tortoise and it's the symbol of longevity. Her family's gift shop, Bunkaro, is one of the few last remaining original Japanese owned businesses in Little Tokyo. Bunkaro means a house of culture. When I stepped inside, I was amazed by their wide selection of merchandise books, toys, houseware, special items for calligraphy, tea ceremonies, and flower arrangements. It is a fun place to shop. With more than 75 years of history, the store survived multiple urban developments and economic downtowns, most recently a six month shutdown during the pandemic. In this episode, I went to find out the secret of their longevity. This is Chasing Cherry Blossoms, reframing American history through the Japanese experience. This business was started by my aunt and uncle.、Uh, my aunt was Sue Ueyama, her husband, Tokio Ueyama. Who was、uh, a professional artist at the time, opened this store right after World War II、uh, when they were released from the、uh, Amachi camp in Colorado. Tokyo was around Little Tokyo way back in the 1920s. And as an artist, he was very involved with fellow artists、um, before the war. Photographers like Toyo Miyatake、uh, were his、uh, close colleagues, the modern dancer Michio Ito. My uncle was also a close personal friend with Diego Rivera. So he traveled to Mexico to visit、uh, Mr. Rivera, and that's all part of the family lore. It was a very rich and lively artistic community here way back then, and there was an amazing deal of collaboration among artists, both Japanese and non Japanese. You know, sadly, everybody was uprooted during World War II. And I think it was always their intention to return here and start their own business. And what's the history of your parents? My father was born in San Francisco, so he was a U.S. citizen. And、uh, being a U.S. citizen, when war broke out,、um, he was enlisted in the Army. And because he spoke Japanese and English fluently, he served as a translator during World War II in the military intelligence service. So those were proud years for my father. He was very、um, happy with that. That's a picture of him up there in, in his uniform.、Um, after the war ended, he went back to Japan to visit、um, his mother, who had moved back to Japan but at that point. And met my mother in Japan. They were married in Japan, and he brought his bride, my mother, to Los Angeles, and they moved in with my aunt and uncle. My aunt helped my parents open their own little gift shop just down the street. It was called Tsukada Company, Tsukada Shokai. And、uh, it was, it, they sold similar things as Bunkado. And so I know that my aunt had helped my parents get off the ground to start their own business, and eventually, 
uh, she invited them to um, join their business with hers here at Bunkado when uh, they had to relocate. That um, area was um, developed into what is now Japanese Village Plaza. Japanese Village Plaza is an outdoor shopping mall constructed in 1978 in effort to revitalize the neighborhood. Long before tourists started to come, Little Tokyo fulfilled the everyday needs of Japanese residents. Little Tokyo started because it had to. Japanese people and other ethnicities were not free to live anywhere they wanted to. So for that reason, uh, we were concentrated in this geographic area. Little Tokyo ended up being very, very self-sufficient. We had an appliance store. It was actually run by a family member. My cousin owned an appliance store and furniture store. And there were shoe stores, clothing stores, depart- the small department stores, fabric stores. Everything you needed could be purchased within Little Tokyo. So it was a true um, world, microcosm. So over the years, those necessities, because Japanese people no longer needed to live in one place, and there was a huge migration out into the suburbs, other areas of Los Angeles, you know, the local shoe store, you know, the clothes stores, people didn't need them anymore. Um, Nobody would feel that they had to come here to buy a refrigerator. (laughs) So those necessity stores, one by one, closed. While customers still came for restaurants and specialty stores, the town was also facing major challenges in the 1960s and 1970s. New developments were brought by the city and the Japanese corporate developers. And it was tough uh, business-wise. My parents' business shrank a lot, and everybody who wanted to stay in business had to figure out how to survive. And if it meant you know, changing their business a little bit, um, that, that, or move. To create space for new developments, all buildings were demolished and many residents and business owners needed to leave the town. I love old buildings and I love old neighborhoods, but I guess the city decided that there were, um, there was some need for, uh, improvement. And so, um, a developer came in and decided to build this little plaza. It used to be an alley, and there was a parking, several parking lots, and uh, a rail, you know, defunct railway there, uh, railroad tracks. Over the years, uh, I believe the Japanese Village Plaza has become a real magnet, and the p- current owners have done an amazing job with investing it in it to uh, make it as beautiful as it is now. After three owners, you know, this is the best it's ever looked. I give it a lot of credit for bringing people um, back to Little Tokyo as a destination. While redevelopment efforts brought new customers, some landscape was completely lost, most notably when the city took an entire block in the 1950s to build a police department headquarters. But, you know, we had some losses, too, that were unfortunate when they built um, the police headquarters, what we call Parker Center, on that corner. It just took a whole neighborhood chunk away from Little Tokyo. It, it just got demolished, you know, and a lot of businesses closed. Um, we also had movie theaters, and, you know, one by one, they kind of closed. I'm curious, how was the atmosphere like when you were growing up in here? 
So my sister and I used to run around little Tokyo by ourselves. You know, we were maybe five years old, seven years old. And we had um, so many relatives, cousins and aunts who had businesses here, uh, different little shops. And so we would visit them and get candy from them <laughs> and then play all day, you know, after school. It was a very wonderful feeling. You know, my mom always took us to the same shoe store across the street, Asahi Shoe Store. We would eat out uh, every Saturday. Uh, we went to the Japanese movie theater. We went with other, uh, with an aunt and uncle, and we always ate Chinese food before the movies, always. It was a tradition. And so they would close the store, we'd walk over to the Chinese restaurant, and then we'd go to the movies. Nobody cared what the movie was. Just that it was Japanese, that was enough. It was mostly samurai movies. We called chambara movies. And they were very inappropriate for children because, oh my God, you know, the arms would go flying and the blood and the heads would come off. <laughs> so it was very funny. My sister and I grew up watching um, probably inappropriate movies <laughs> from a very young age. Uh, but that was, uh, that was probably their only form of Japanese entertainment. She described her upbringing as quite traditional, especially because her mother came from Japan as an adult. She never did master English. <laughs> she was very much Japanese speaking all the time. As a teenager, I rebelled, so I, I would absorb what she would say in Japanese and I'd answer in English, uh, especially because most of the time I was being scolded in Japanese. When my sister and I were of age, my mother insisted that we go to Japanese school. Not fun at all. I appreciate it now. But every Saturday from 9 to 3, you know, when all my friends were playing, uh, we had to go to Japanese school. Because I didn't like it so much, I was not a very good student. But um, once I moved to New York and I started working in New York, uh, I worked at companies where the Japanese language was very much uh, an advantage. So in New York, I started going to Japanese classes. I paid my own money, which my mother was thinking that it was so hilarious uh, that I would choose to go, but I finally was ready. Her departure from Japanese culture was also a result of her serious pursuit of a career as a ballet dancer. My parents were not happy. Uh, they said it was never meant to be serious. It was just meant for exposure, you know, for you to learn ballet. Um, but I started to go to, I asked my parents if they would send me to a ballet uh, camp, basically, in Canada every summer. And it's part of the University of Alberta. So it's a, it's a well-known, well-respected um, fine arts institution called Banff School of Fine Arts in the Canadian Rockies. So I went there f every year for four years during high school, and that just sealed it for me. So that's when I just said, decided, I'm going to audition for Juilliard Dance Department. If I don't get in, that's the message. Uh, but if I get in, I'm going. And so I got in. But my parents really didn't want me to go. Uh, in fact, my mom tried to stop me. And at that point, after I got my acceptance, I just said, I'm really not asking for permission because I'm going anyway. I'd love if you would pay for it. 
Because if you don't, I'm gonna have to work. She then graduated from Juilliard and lived in New York for 17 years, building a successful career. Meanwhile, her father passed away and her mother was running the store by herself. They never dreamed that I would come back to run the store, you know, because I didn't come back for a long time. I just love being in New York and I love my life there. But after a while, this place became more and more important to me. And I felt that, I don't know, New York, you really felt like you are just a tiny grain of sand. You feel so anonymous. It really appealed to me that I could be in little Tokyo. And I could say hello to people, and they answer back, and they know who you are, I know who they are. And I thought, wow, that was kind of nice having grown up here.、Uh, I tried to run away for a while, <laughs> but I, I felt like I was coming home. And when you mentioned that to your mother, what was your, her reaction? Her reaction was very funny because、uh, I approached her. Uh, and I said, Mom, how do you feel about my coming back to Los Angeles and help you run Bunkado? And my mom, as I mentioned to you, always to the end, she always spoke in Japanese to me, all of a sudden switches to English and she says, I'm waiting. Perfect English. It's sort of like, it's about time. I thought you'd never say that, but I was finally ready. So, yeah. I was very happy to be able to come back, help my mother out. My father had already passed away, and to work with my mom for a few years and learn from her, and we were able to enjoy our- ourselves as adults. There are many things for her to learn from her mother. She remembers that her mother had a very good eye for selecting merchandise. Even way back then, she was the buyer. My dad was the workhorse. He was the bookkeeper, payroll officer.、Uh, my mom、uh, got to do all the buying and the traveling for it. And my philosophy shopping in a store like this has to be fun. The store has two spacious floors filled with items that are often hard to find in other stores. Art supplies is the main thing that I find charming because I think that my uncle started that for his own and his colleagues' use. So we always carried paintbrushes, shuji, you know, calligraphy supplies. We've always sold books, and they're all sort of Japanese topic books. We've always sold dishes, utensils, cooking supplies. We've always sold the chochin. We've always sold、uh, things for tea ceremony. For, as I said, Ikebana flower arrangement. But we also sold、uh, Japanese odori dancing supplies like the fans,、uh, hair ornaments. Those are things we've always had. And also Buddhist supplies. And also for the wedding, money envelopes for wedding supplies. They do keep the tradition of the Japanese、um, money envelopes. They, they don't want to switch to a sympathy card and put money in that. And it's, you know, it's very heartwarming that people、uh, take these traditions so seriously. You know? And people say, I need that funeral envelope and I'll pay for Federal Express for it to get here tomorrow. So, how's the、um, customers has been changing? I would say the biggest change to me is they've gotten younger. I've Realize that Little Tokyo has become very popular among young people. Anytime walking through the village, when you see the people walking around, 
it's it's a very young crowd, and I don't know if it's this attraction to anime or Japanese pop culture fashions. Um, there's or, or and ramen. You know, it's a combination of many things. Ramen has become so popular. She shared her excitement about having a new generation. Her nephew Den Nishibashi now helps her run the business. What is really nice is that Dane grew up in a non-Japanese-speaking household.、Uh, his grandmother is from Japan, but his grandpa is Japanese-American, so everybody spoke English at home. He is now very, very seriously studying Japanese. He's taking Japanese classes, and he just told me he wants to switch to twice a week, not once a week, because it's not enough. Once a week is not enough, so he's just completely embraced it, and I think it's just wonderful. Their store sign hanging at the storefront is designed by her uncle, and it is original from the 1950s. The store also used to be known for its extensive music record collections. While the store creates a nostalgic feel for the good old times, they also needed to adapt to some changes. I would say the big change is we've discontinued the music、uh, department. This is just we're just selling what we have left over. At one point, we were told、uh, we had we sold more recorded music outside of Japan than any store、uh, outside of Japan. So we would have,、um, you know, for example, the president of Denon Records or Columbia Records、uh, bring a famous singing star. We we have all this、uh, signature shikishi signs shikishi、uh, with、uh, famous artist signatures because they came to Bunkado、um, to meet my parents and thank them for carrying their titles for so many years and all that. So、uh, it was a big、uh, draw. For people wanting,、uh, we carried everything,、uh, the mu- music-wise, and we took special orders. So that's a major change. You know, n- nobody's really selling recorded music much anymore. Everything's digital. What I've tried to do downstairs with our main gift area is、uh, I've attempted to maintain what we've always sold,、uh, because when I came here from New York. I was hearing so many comments with customers who were delighted that a we're still here and b we're selling similar products that, that they remember when they were young or kids and they're now back with their grandchildren visiting from Chicago or wherever. And I I realized that the nostalgia factor was very strong. So for that reason, I I didn't want to change the merchandise too much. Uh, and that's the reason why I even stock things that aren't Japanese, like Gumby and Pokey. You know, they were popular in the '60s, but you know, I'm sort of playing on those、um, this nostalgia theme. I had a movie、uh, set designer come upstairs, and she looked around. She goes, "Oh my God, this is、um, like a set from the 1980s." And she said, "Don't touch anything. It's so cool up here." And I said, "Well, that's interesting. You should say because we haven't renovated since the '80s." And she said, "It's like a time capsule." As the town redeveloped, the demographics of business owners and residents began to change as well. My feeling is, if there is、um, a respect for the, this neighborhood. 
uh, and for this culture, things change and evolve. You know, we can't be stuck insisting on a certain era or a certain criteria that we are creating. We have uh, wonderful, successful businesses, and the owners, who may not be Japanese, are um, um, wonderful neighbors and colleagues and friends. You know, the word shikataganai, it's okay. You know, it's sort of part of changes. You know, I can't predict what will this place will be like in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. I would like to see that there will still be an element of Japanese culture here. We've had some very bad uh, hits, you know, to the whole community. When we had earthquakes, major riot, you know, this place was closed down. You know, we, we had armored vehicles going down the streets, no cars, and uh, the National Guard with their rifles on First Street. And then soon after that was uh, the dot-com bust, and then had chicken flu or SARS, and people were associated Little Tokyo with um, Asian flu. Um, and that all happened within months of each other. So it was a terrible year and it, we, we had, everybody had a crash in business. And just, you know, you just start coming back and then maybe something else happens. So it was, it's been a roller coaster. So it's very hard to get through the, the you know, crashes. And the, another crash was the pandemic. For the first time in our history, 76 years, we were closed for six months. We were never closed for more than three days, but it really was a strange time because it was also at the point when people were very happy to come back shopping because the pandemic was starting to um, you know, loosen. We realized how many businesses closed during the pandemic, so now we're making it a point to go to a family-owned business first, not to order from Amazon first. So I'm seeing that now. People just keep, they're still saying that today. We came because we wanted to support you. People were supporting us in ways that they never had before as well. So that's very um, moving and it's helped a lot. Uh, what is your secret of having this business for surviving this long? Theme of the Daruma, fall seven times, get up eight times, don't give up you know, the gambare spirit. That, I think, has been my motto, is <laughs> just to, not to give up. And I, I just don't have, I'm not ready to close a business like this because my ancestors worked so hard. They were able to rebuild this community after the war. And there's enough of us that have parents and grandparents who are there, who saw it ourselves. I think somehow gotten part of the fabric of Little Tokyo. And, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of um, business owners, and they may not be Japanese business no owners, that, as we were d discussing, but they're friends um, who opened up coffee houses uh, in Little Tokyo. And they'll say, this is our third location in Los Angeles. They said they've never seen anything like it in any other community. And that made me think, why is that? You know, is that unique to Japanese people? I don't know, maybe that's part of it. But I have a feeling that's part of this um, survival, you know, through the war and coming back. So I think that that keeps people going, keeps me going. This episode was produced by Reina Higashitani, edited by Christine Park. 
Music is composed by Aiko Fukushima. Sound is mixed by Christine Park and Reina Higashitani. This is Chasing Cherry Blossoms, reframing American history through the Japanese experience.